thanks for joining us on our C3 Edinburgh podcast. We really hope this message inspires and encourages you in your life with Jesus. To find out more about our welcoming and vibrant church community, please check us out online at www.c3edinburgh.com or find us on Instagram or Facebook. Keep in touch and be part of the story. Now enough from me, you've come to hear the podcast and be blessed. Jesus was getting and gathering his disciples who'd follow him, one of the key things that captured Peter's heart was when he was fishing, and, and Jesus did this miracle that we talked about before. Uh, and then Jesus said, you know what? Um, follow me, he says, and I'll make you fishers of men. Um, and we know that that's powerful because we know what Jesus means because we have the, we have the you know, hindsight and say, oh, we know what that means. But there's a couple of things that I've been reflecting on. Like, um, firstly, that kind of sounds like a weird thing to say. Like, if, if that, that wouldn't really carry, I guess it would for a fisherman, but I'll come with me and make you fishers of men, is a, is a like, my mind, because I'm maybe immature, my mind doesn't go to starting the ecclesia, the church. It goes to, like, fishing rods in the mall, you know, or a net or something. All of these fishes of men, but, but, but it, it was enough to capture, completely capture um, Peter. Um, because, and he obviously didn't think as immaturely as I did. He went, I, I feel like there's something to that. And I, and I want to pro- propose to you that there was the, the, the thing that Jesus was appealing to, uh, and appealing to very deliberately, uh, very deliberately, um, was, was this sense that Peter had on the inside of himself. Like Peter was, I imagine Peter was a fisherman, uh, and fishing was his thing, his day business. He, he, he's, he, it's what he knew. He didn't, it's what he trained for. He was a fisherman. But I imagine there was something on the inside of him, you see, that was, that was mostly satisfied with that, but there was something more. And that something more that he yearned for was revealed when Jesus said, what you're doing is good. Go, you know, fishing, look at all those fish that you just got, but follow me and I'll make you fisher, a fisher of man. And that, that's the, 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 the something deep inside of Peter cried out in that moment, and he said, I'm going to put this all down. He said, he put down his net, he put everything down, and he went and he followed him, and it transformed and changed his life. But it all started when Jesus spoke to a part of him. It, it spoke to, the, to the, the built part of Peter that just, it, 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 there was more. He wanted to make a difference. He wanted to make more of it. He wanted to leave his mark, to leave uh, a footprint, to make a mark on the world. Sure, I could silently do it for the whole time, but that's really, it's, it's not fair. So, I have a thing. So, I'm, I've, got a, I'm, I'm, I've got a nursing background in hospital, and, and I, can, I can relate to a part of this. I can relate to that, that inbuilt thing to make a mark and to leave a difference. And, 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 and I reckon we all have this. This is where I'm getting to. But my story is that I um, felt that. I... I I had a decision to make. All my mates in, in school were all uh, creatives. They were all artists. They were all um, performers. They were into drama and, and musicianship. And, and I got caught up in that world, and I enjoyed drama and performance, and I enjoyed all of those things. And I was also enjoyed sales in my, in my pre-work. You know, I was, I, was, I was pretty good at speaking and pretty good at, at um, you know, I worked at a cinema, and I was, I was good at getting, getting you to pay 50 extra cents for that upsized popcorn, those things like that. Um, but I wasn't 
in my heart, I, I said, I want to do nursing because I, I, I really want to really make a mark. I really want to leave a difference. I really want to get to the messiest part of people's worlds and do my best to help them. I, wa- I want to leave a mark. Um, and so I chose nursing. That was my journey. But I had that in- internal impetus to do something and make a difference. Um, and then what that le- and then I'm, I'm loving my life in Australia. I've shared this many times. And, but, but God put something on me. Here and I, it's like he spoke to that same part of my life, that same, man, there's something in you. Go... There's something more in you. Go and make a mark. And it was, go and plant a church. And, and it was, okay, we'll plant a church anywhere you want in Australia. And he said, no, what if I said Scotland? What if I said Edinburgh? And we said, well, I don't know how you do that. But um, yes, um, I want to I I do that. Lots of people want to do that. I know I believe everybody in this place, uh, you're resonating with a part of that. I was speaking to Beth this week, and, and a part of her story is she resonated. She wanted to, she wanted to uh, leave a mark, so she went into studying um, in the environment. I'm, I, I'm not going to get the, all the titles right. She wanted to study the environment, she, and she decided she wanted to leave a mark by working with people to... Um, to oh, I'm going to stuff it up. But when I was listening to Beth's story of her career progression, her university in uh, marine biology, and then following niches in the corporate world to to really make a difference as people build massive electrical... Oh, see how I'm stuffing it up? Her heart was, I want to leave a mark. Talk to Beth afterwards and say, what was Nathan trying to butcher to say? Her heart was to leave a mark, to make a mark. And a lot of people, especially Christians, they get confused on this moment, by the way, because, because we're told time and time again, and the word even says... Think soberly about yourself. Don't get haughty. Don't get proud. Pride will kill you. All of that's true. But as you re- stay humble, that don't wash out the the heart of the mark lever. Don't 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 wash out that desire to make a difference in the world that you live in. This morning, I want to unpack uh, a little bit of a lie that maybe has kept you down, thinking, "Who am I to?" take this on? Who am I to build this thing? Who am I to, to, to say yes to this? Because, because false humility is actually a form of pride itself, isn't it? Because there is pride. And, and with, with, with pride, you've got to run from it. The world says, be proud, but the Bible says, man, God resists the proud. Don't be that guy. There's ego, and, and the world says, just explore and own your ego and your selfishness and just make sure you've got stuff in it for you. But the Word of God says, no, uh, going your own way, doing it for yourself, looking after yourself won't help you. Rather, look after the needs of others and let God help you. Look, 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 look after other people. And yet the desire to build and leave a mark, I want to tell you, uh, that's not necessarily an ego moment. It's not a pride moment. That's God-breathed to leave a mark. And in our last moments together in 2019, plus or minus a decade, however you sit that, with all that has been accomplished together and so much more ahead of us, I wanted us to finish this year with this, the power, the idea that you were born to build or, if you don't like that as a title, the blessing of building. That's what we're going to unpack. There's something in you that is born to build. And I want to pour fire on that for your 2020.
So turn to 2 Samuel. It'll come up on the screen. 2 Samuel 7, 1 to 17. It's a, big, it's a big passage, so I want you to go with me, and I'll read it from here. I'm reading from the um, New Living Translation, but you read from whatever translation you've got. It's all the Bible. It's good. It's about King David, and I guess a little bit of pre-context is this is King David uh, finally, and this, this is the same King David, by the way, who was the kid in the, in the field, uh, and he was the same King David who took down Goliath. He was the same King David who had to run away from, from Saul because Saul didn't like him. He was the same King David who started to gather the tribes together, and the same King David who's now um, become king, um, united all the tribes together, uh, taken Jerusalem, um, sat in the throne room, uh, and he's just got the Ark of the Covenant, the, the, the symbol of the presence of the Lord, and he's brought it into Jerusalem. It's all come together. And when, Jesus, when, when King David was settled in the palace and the Lord had given him rest from all his surrounding enemies, because by the way, he's just ma- made some strategic wins against the Philistines and, and other enemy uh, nations surrounding the king summoned Nathan the prophet. Nathan, what do you reckon of it? And he said to him, look, David said, I'm living in a beautiful cedar palace, but the ark of God is out there in a tent. And Nathan replied to the king, well, go ahead and do whatever you have in mind, for the Lord is with you. But at the same night, the Lord said to Nathan, go and tell my servant David, this is what the Lord has declared. Are you the one to build a house for me to live in? I've never lived in a house. From the day I brought the Israelites Israelites out of Egypt until this very day, I have always moved from one place to another with a tent and a tabernacle as my dwelling. Yet, no matter where I have gone with the Israelites, I have never once complained to Israel's tribal leaders, the shepherds of my people Israel. I have never asked them, why haven't you built me a beautiful cedar house? Now go and say to my servant David, This is what the Lord of heaven's armies has declared. I took you from tending sheep in the pasture and selected you to be the leader of my people Israel. And I have been with you wherever you have gone and I have destroyed all your enemies before your eyes. Now I will make your name as famous as anyone who has ever lived on the earth. And I will provide a homeland for my people Israel, planting them a secure place that will never be disturbed. Evil nations won't oppress them as, as they've done in the past, starting from the time I appointed judges to rule my people Israel. And I will give you rest from all your enemies. We've had some nows. Here's another one. Furthermore, the Lord declares that he will make a house for you, a dynasty of kings. And when you die and are buried with your ancestors, I will raise up one of your descendants, your own offspring, and I will make his kingdom strong. He is the one who will build a house a temple for my name. And I will secure his royal throne forever. I will be his father. He will be my son. And if he sins, I will correct and discipline him with, my, with the rod like any father would do. But my, father, my favor will not be taken from him as I took it from Saul, whom I removed from your sight. Your house and your kingdom will continue before me for all time and your throne will be secure forever. So Nathan went back to David and told him everything the Lord had said in this vision. By the way, for the people who are studying the Bible, what we all are, that's in, there's some important prophetic insights in that because he has established David's throne forever uh, in Jesus. That has come to pass. 
And that's what God was thinking as soon as he, as he was saying that, by the way. Not that David would have known at the time. It's good to know what's going on in God's head, isn't it? So David had been building and expanding from his shepherd days to his wilderness days. He's now finally unified this kingdom together under one rule. And now, finally, all together, he still decides it's not yet done. He still decides, okay, all done? Am I all done? Is all this building done? Have we finished? Have we finished? And he says, no, wait. There's more to be done. I want to build something for God. Now, I want to build, this, I want to build, build a temple. Look at someone around you and tell them this. He was born to build. Oh, wait. Oh, that was too quiet. You couldn't have possibly said that. Okay, look to the person to your left and say, he was born to build. Now you're doing it. Now look to another person. I didn't want to get descriptive, but I'm going to look to another person and say, he was blessed. Did you see how blessed he was? There we go. He was born to build and he was blessed as he built. He was born to move forward and he was blessed as he did so. Incredibly so. You know what his response was, by the way? This doesn't form part of my message specifically, but I just love his response. So is it okay if we read it? It just goes on at 7, 18 and 19. When King David uh, went in and he sat before the Lord after Samuel told him this and he prayed this, he said, Who am I, O sovereign Lord? What is my family that you've brought me this far? My prayer to everybody here is that you find yourself saying that time and time again in your life to the Lord your God. Because he's going to bring you far. He's brought you this far already. And now, Sovereign Lord, in addition to everything else, you speak of giving your servant a lasting dynasty? Do you deal with everyone this way, O Sovereign Lord? And again, we know that the answer to the question is, well, actually, he's in Christ, he deals with us even better. Here's my point. From the story I learned, David was a builder and he was blessed as he built. The Lord had chosen David and what I want you to know this Christmas, this season, is that he's chosen you for something incredible. And the Lord was with David through every season. That's what he's saying. And can I tell you, in this season, in your life, the Lord has always been with you as he promised he always would be. And he's going to remain that way. The Lord, uh, at that time, led David, uh, gave David a rest from wars and from fighting surrounding nations. And, and even let this Christmas... Who, who's following the, the Advent of Rest devotional that we're doing at the moment? Yeah. You can clap, because that's incredible. That's, I haven't even told you there's about four or five people from this church contributing to that. So you could be a real nerd and you could read them again and you could go, that sounds like it's a person. That sounds like, I think I know who that one is. <laughs> it's an incredible thing. But, but in as much as the Lord let, let David into times of rest, he leads you and I into times of rest. But on the inside of us, we can be in rest at all times. And yet the Lord bestowed additional blessing uh, if such a thing was possible as David sought to build, a, a ble blessed as he built. You see, it's good for us to build. In what you're doing now, it's good for you to go. It's good for you to go. It's good for you to build things in your life. It's good for you to be moving forward. Standing still will stagnate you. That's a lot of S's deliberately. Standing still 
will stagnate you for too long. You'll miss out on some incredible opportunities because you won't find yourself in the right place at the right time because you've been standing still when God has told you to move. Standing still will stagnate you if you stand still for too long. Laying low too long will keep, make you left behind. Again, the L's are deliberate. Laying low will keep you left behind. Hiding your talents. Remember the story in the Bible about hiding your talents? If you don't remember the, or you've not read it, can I ask you, put that as your homework and underline, this is why I can't lay low. When God says, gives me a gift, I have to invest my gift. When God gives me a talent, I must invest my talent. If God gives me something, I must be faithful with what I've been given. What I should never do is bury and hide it. Bowing out because of a broken heart is also, uh, is also a disqualifier for what God has for you, for, for the future. Bowing down because of a broken heart or a, or a time of discouragement. Don't bow out. As your pastor, here's, here's, here's my word to you. I want to give you full permission. I've said it before, but it still rings true. Whenever I pray for the church, whenever I pray for you, and we spend time praying for every person in the church, man, the prayer is that you would go and be awesome. Is that an okay prayer? Our prayer, my prayer to you is that, you, and my permission to you if you need it, is to go and be awesome in 2020. Go and, go and be awesome. I've said it before and I'll say it again. That means there are jobs that will come up next year that you should apply for. No, don't, you don't have to apply for everything. You've got to know how to say, no, you don't have to just go, oh, the pastor said I have to. No, no, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying there are things that you haven't done because you've bowed out, you've, you've laid low, you've held back, you've said, not me, with, with, I, I don't know what's pride, I don't know what to do, I'm, I'm, I'm stuck and I'm paralyzed. There are some things you should just step out and you should apply for that job. You should ask that person on a date. Like, there are some people... And, 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 you're, and, and if you're single and you're in a season of singleness and, you, and you're empowered, then that's, a legitimate, that's awesome. But if you're single and you're like, I'm ready to couple up, but I'm paralyzed with all of the things, maybe you should just ask someone on a date in 2020. Could be your, it's not so, don't write that down. It's a, <laughs> maybe... It's your year to, you've been thinking about the connect group that you go to. You've been thinking about um, the, the team that you serve in on a Sunday. You've been thinking about soul food that you do on a Wednesday. And you've been thinking, I feel like I've got it in me to do more, but I don't want to rock the boat. And I, what if I can't? And what if it's hard? And what if I get stuck? And you know what? Maybe you should uh, just take that step and say, I think I can. Um, talk about maybe facilitating. I can talk to a facilitator in a group and say, hey, could I facilitate a discussion one time? I hear it, it's easy to do. Because it is. It's everybody can do these things and connect. Or, or, or I've seen, I've seen um, Callum um, leading and running a, a hosting thing, putting out, organizing everything in the mornings. I, I wonder if I could do that and get a team around. You can. Buy that flat. Yeah, I said it. Maybe it's time to stop renting, and you could buy. They say that 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 they say that learning to say no is a big mark of maturity, and I say that's true. It's one of those weeks. 
But I want to tell you, don't live with a no in your spirit. Don't live with a no in your spirit. Know how to say no, but don't walk around with a no on the inside. There are people who walk around with an immediate no, and you can see, I might come up to them and say, hey, I want to I invite you to be a part of a team, or I want to invite you to church, and you can already see, before you even start, they go, no, 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 no. You don't even know what I'm going to say. No, 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 no. I'm like, man, if that's how you'll, man, you must miss out on so many opportunities because you've just got a no sitting there. Or sometimes you have an, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. But how about this? Imagine living with a yes. Why not a yes uh, um, that says, you know what, before you even start speaking, I've got a yes unless there's a reason rather than a no unless you can convince me. What if I could say I had a yes in my spirit? Especially, listen to this, especially if your no or your I don't know doesn't come out of wisdom, but it comes out of fear. Because can I propose to you this morning that the most common reason for a no, the most common reason for a I don't know, is a fear. And, and those things, that stopping, that laying low, that bowing out, they ultimately are caused by fear. Let that sink in. You get, I, I felt the pressure to bow out before. No, I'm done. I'm done. I'm not going to say yes again. Why? Because I'm scared of getting discouraged again. I'm scared of getting disappointed again. I'll lay low. I don't know what to do with this stuff that God's given me. What if it fails? What if, you know what? That's fear. Standing still, I'm paralyzed. What am I paralyzed with? Paralyzed with fear. But here's the thing for a Christian. Here's the thing for someone who follows Jesus. Fear, the feeling of fear, should be like a red rag to a bull for the person who follows Jesus. Can I tell you why? It's because um, the Bible tells me that God is love. And perfect love drives out fear. So if I experience fear, I immediately know this. That's not God. Because God is love and perfect love drives out fear. When I wake up at four in the morning with that gut-wrenching, what are you doing? It's all going to fall apart. What's going on? You, you know, who do you think you are? I go, wait a minute. That's fear. Gotcha, devil. You just showed your hand. My greatest times of spiritual warfare have been when it's been revealed out of one of those things and then I know what to fight. It's like, um, you know, fear can look pretty big, but if I have a God of love on the inside of me and perfect love drives out fear and he's with me like he says he's with me, that fear can look as big as it wants, but I tell you, when I take a step towards it, it takes a step away. Twenty twenty is a year to make a difference. Twenty twenty is a year to leave a mark. But as you do that, and I need to finish with this because I'm looking at the time, as you do that, I want to ask you to keep something in mind. 
Because leaving a mark can mean all kinds of things. And I want to propose that there's a way that you leave a mark in sand that's different to a way that you leave a mark in stone. And leaving marks are great. Leave a mark in sand, leave a mark in stone. They're all good. But the one that's of most value is to leave a mark in the stone. Because sand will last as long as the next tide comes and goes, but stone stays eternal, stays forever. And sand, sand marks are things like, I don't know, sand marks like your Uber rating. Like, get a good Uber rating, it's good. But that's nothing to, that's not eternal. Your, your Facebook friends list or, or your Twitter followers or your Insta, you know, that's good. You get lots of followers, good on you. Get a little blue tick, that's great. Do, but that's not eternal. That's, uh, that's, that's tidal. I'm taking a level deeper, and I might need you to help me pr- um, play because otherwise I'm going to keep get preaching. For the most part, most parts of your job, your career, some of it's lasting more than you think is sand. More than you might actually care to think is title, it'll come and go. Your bank account numbers, I freak, you freak out about them, you don't know, or maybe if I reach that part, then I'll make a real impact. And there's something about inheritance and there's something about blessing, but but it's, it's title. Even your reputation, for the most part, title. But here are the things, here are the stones in 2020. Here's the marks to seek to make that will make uh, the most impact and transformation in the world around you, the ones that truly count. Three things that I can think of at the top of my head that I don't have time to dig into, but it's worth telling you as we finish the service. The first is your relationships. The second, I chose this on top of relationships, but it counts. Your family. And the third is your church. Christmas is a great time to reflect. So reflect on these three things. Number one, set your dial in your relationships, in your family and in your relationships to love one another. I'm thinking of you right now across a Christmas table. Some of us will have amazing Christmases. Some of it's all laughter and love and joy. For many of us, there's also fights and conflict and tension. With your relationships with your family, with your relationships all around you, set your dial to love and to love one another. John 15, 12 says, My commandment is this, love each other the same way as I have loved you. Not the conditional to the way that you've been treated, not back at you to the person across the table over Christmas who just talked about something that triggered a shame response in you why not turn that shame response around to one that encourages that person anyway? The way of Jesus is to love regardless. Number two, do conflict well in your relationships. And this counts as your relationships, your your family, and the house of God in church. Set your dials in all three to love one another. Set your dials in all three in 2020 to do conflict well. After all, Matthew 18, 15 says, if another believer sins against you, go privately to the point and point out the the offense that you've had. And if the other person listens and confesses it, then you've won that person back. And by the way, if you have a thing with conflict and you've dealt with conflict or you need to deal with it, can I encourage you to read that further because it unpacks biblical ways of dealing with conflict. Matthew 18, 21 to 22. um, Peter asks uh, 
Jesus, he says, Lord, how often should I forgive someone at Christmas time who sins against me? It doesn't say Christmas time. Should I, should I forgive them seven times? And Jesus said, no, not seven times, but 70 times seven. Keep forgiving, keep forgiving. Get forgiveness in your heart. And the third one is this. Love your church, this community of faith. Can I ask you a favor? Thank you. What I want to ask of you guys is over this break, even if you're a guest with us from Sydney, even if you're heading back to New Zealand, even, wherever people go uh, this Christmas, I'm, I, I'm bringing you all in. Would you do me a favor this Christmas? Would you continue to pray for the church over the break? Pray for your church if you don't, but pray for this church too, this community of faith. We're not going to meet for two weeks, but that doesn't mean we're not in each other's heart. We're not going to meet on a Sunday for two weeks, but that doesn't mean that we've switched off. Would you commit to upholding your connect group? Would you commit to upholding your teams? Would you commit to upholding one another in prayer for the next two or three weeks? I'm going to end there. Let's be builders in 2020. We're blessed as we do it. Let's not stagnate anymore. Let's not that we have. Let's not bow out. Let's face fear in the face. 2020 is going to be the greatest year. 2020 is a year pregnant with breakthrough. Let's bow our heads and let's finish the service. Father God, we love and adore and we worship you. We thank you that you've built something on the inside of us from way back in the days of Genesis to go and fill the world, be filled with purpose and go, uh, and go and be fruitful in it. We thank you, God, that from our spiritual DNA, we are blessed to build and we are born for it. Father God, we, I pray that you help these people, you help me most of all, not get, not get strung out on one side of false humility or the other side of pride, but just to understand that you have built us to be builders. So, Father God, we walk into that for 2020. We thank you for the, the, the journey so far and the adventure so far. And, God, we're so excited about the journey that's about to unfold ahead of us. We dedicate every step of it to you, Jesus. We give it to all you, Jesus. You are the Lord, our God. You are the Lord, our God. We give it to you. We give it to you. We give you our life. In Jesus' name.